Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton. I am the Happy Valley uh, campus pastor. And I'd like to start our time just asking you this question. What did you learn about yourself from 2020? If you had to take a second and pause and look back on the year that will live in infamy, what is something that you learned, a lesson that you learned about yourself? Maybe something that you didn't realize, maybe an eye-opening moment. For me, there were three things that I came away with as I look back and reflect on this last year. Number one, I realized that I would be a lousy elementary school teacher. Uh, For those of you that don't know, my wife and I homeschooled our children this last year. And when I say my wife and I homeschooled my children, what I really mean is that my wife homeschooled our children. I really didn't help that much. I didn't rise in the ranks of the hierarchy of school leadership at our home beyond that of a substitute teacher. And I really wasn't very good at it. Uh, But we remember, right, that substitute teachers, when we were in school, the the best part, right, was that we all got to watch a movie. So when I was in charge on those days, uh, I would uh, tell the girls, it looks like we're watching Disney Plus today. Um, So I apologize to my wife because she really was truly amazing and a Herculean effort on her part uh, to, to, to take care of our kids. The second thing that I realized about myself, and this is a little bit more Uh, serious is that I really did struggle to acknowledge the injustice and the racism that's that's in our world and that's in our culture and I know that even by me saying this that some of you might be getting a little uncomfortable maybe you're rolling your eyes or tuning me out and I am not trying to make a political statement at all and I'm not trying to infer any guilt or shame. I'm just trying to be honest about a lesson that I think God has been teaching me throughout this last season. And I found myself being defensive, or I found myself kind of downplaying what was going on, or just trying not to acknowledge it, trying to ignore what was going on in the world. And so I have felt convicted, and now I'm just doing my best to learn and to grow and to ask questions and ask God, teach me what I need to understand so that I can truly be a voice for those that are suffering, those that are hurting. I'm reading books, I'm watching videos, I'm having conversations with friends of mine of other ethnicity so that I can just learn, so I can just grow and so that I can continue to be uh, an advocate for those that are suffering and I can steward this conversation as a pastor in our church. The third thing that I realized about myself uh, from 2020 is that I can be a pretty selfish person. So it was when things were going crazy, right? And the whole world was falling apart and there was no toilet paper to be found anywhere. I remember one night driving home and I stopped by Fred Meyer just by the chance that maybe there'll be some toilet paper there. So I went into the store and obviously there was none there, but what was there was some paper towels. And so I grabbed some paper towels and ran to the checkout feeling like I had scored a victory. And as I was checking out this nice, elderly old lady came up to me and said, oh dear sir, where did you find those paper towels? And in that moment, what should I have done? I should have given that lady, that nice old lady, those paper towels, because obviously she was in need of them. But unfortunately what I did was I looked at that nice old lady and I said, they're over there. Grabbed my paper towels, checked out and ran home. And the best part was when I got home, I looked at my wife and I said, babe, don't you worry. Your man has provided for our family. I've got paper towels. 
And she looked at me and she said, why did you buy paper towels? We've got plenty of those. And I said, well, it's, um, well, it's because what if we run out of toilet paper? And then she looked at me and she said, so let me get this straight. If we run out of toilet paper, you're going to use paper towels? And I went, yeah. And then she gave me a look that just made me incredibly thankful that years ago she made a commitment to me, a commitment for better or worse, richer or poorer in smartness and in stupidity. She made a commitment to me for life because in that moment I was not at my best. The hope that over these last several weeks, as we've been walking through the book of James, that we have all taken a moment to pause, to look back, to maybe ask some tough questions about ourselves, and then to ask God, what are you trying to teach us? Where do I need to grow? And how can I continually take the lessons that I'm learning, your word, and how can we live more like your son, Jesus Christ? Because that is the whole core, the whole idea behind James. It's all about getting into our business and challenging us where we live. So as we close this message series today, as we look through the last chapter of James, James chapter 5, I'd invite you, just take a second and to pause, to look back on where we have been, look at where we are going and ask God the question, what are you trying to teach me? Where do I need to grow? And how can I take these lessons, take the truth of your word, apply it to my life so I can look more like Jesus today? James chapter five, let's start at verse seven. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. How many of you would say that you are a patient person? Or let me ask you this, how many of you thought you were a patient person until March of 2020 came around and you realized maybe you're not as patient as you once thought? My wife has a t-shirt that she loves to wear very proudly and it says, I had my patience tested, it was negative. I think we all uh, wrestle with this idea of, of patience and we live in a world in a culture that is full of people that want what they want and they want it now. And if they don't get what they want, or if they don't get the things that they desire in the way that they want them, they will let you know. And some of the worst parts of our humanity come out when impatience really shows up. As I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about this idea of patience, a movie clip came to my mind uh, from my one of my favorite Will Ferrell movies called Kicking and Screaming, which I think is just a wonderful insight into the challenge that I think we all face when it comes to the world of patience. So watch this. I think we've all been in that situation before, right? Like if I had a nickel for every time that has happened to me, oh man, I would have uh, a dime. Um, I, I think that when we think of the grocery store, when we think about going to a restaurant, when we think about coffee shops, we've been in those moments where we want what we want and then if we don't get it, we just respond poorly. But James calls the church to be a people defined by patience. 
that we have the ability to put up with difficult relationships, difficult circumstances, that there are people that might drive us crazy. There are people that might irritate us and frustrate us. And yet, James says we need to be a people that navigate through that and be a people of patience, putting up with hard people and hard circumstances. The scripture also talks about how this patience, when it's allowed, I think, through the Holy Spirit to really mature, to really become strong, it develops inside us endurance. The ability to be steadfast and to navigate through those hard things, navigate through those challenges so that we don't give up. And then James doubles down and even gives us an even harder challenge when he says, we are not to be people full of complaining and grumbling. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on, James, that's that's insane. I mean, I'm all about being patient and I'm all about enduring the hard things, but I want to complain as I go through it. I want everybody to know just how hard and how difficult my circumstances are. I want the whole world to know because it is my right as an American, as a father, as a husband to complain and to grumble when I'm going through difficult times. And yet the word of God challenges us to avoid the toxicity that sometimes can be allowing our feelings and emotions just to be divisive, hurtful, angry, to allow ourselves to really truly believe that God, you are with us right now and I don't have to give up and that I can be someone defined by patience. And so let me ask you this question. Where do you need to learn the lesson of patience today? What one area of your life do you need to claim the power and the challenge of patience? Maybe you need to learn patience in a relationship. Maybe there is something going on with your family. Maybe something going on in your marriage that because of everything we've gone through, because of the challenges of 2020, that you find yourself getting mad too quickly, finding yourself getting in arguments or debates or finding this idea of controlling, wanting this and wanting that, and you just need God. I need patience with these people that you've placed in my life. Maybe you need endurance because you're going through a legitimate challenge, something that is truly hard and overwhelming. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe something going on in work. And I'm not trying to downplay the reality of what's going on, the hard and the suffering and the pain. If anything, I'm giving merit to that when I say how many of us need endurance. We need God to help us continually move through so that we don't give up, that we don't give up on each other and that we can continually believe that God, you are with us. Or how many of you need to learn the lesson of of letting go, of forfeiting our right to complain and grumble. I don't know about you, but I am so close to just being done with social media because I'm just sick and tired of seeing the grumbling and the complaining, the hurtful, divisive comments. And again, please hear me. I believe that there is space for us to have conversation, to dialogue, to be truthful, to be honest. But I think that's very different than allowing our words to be hurtful, to attack people, to just allow the complaining and the grumbling of our hearts and soul consume us so we don't see what God is doing. Henry Nouwen says it this way. He says, the word patience means the willingness to stay where we are and live the situation out to the full in the belief that something hidden there will manifest itself to us. This is the basis of our hope in God, that we believe that there is a God of the universe 
that loves us, that he sent his son Jesus Christ to save us and that his Holy Spirit stays with us and that God continually is walking with us through all the challenges, all the hurt, all the pain. Our ability to recognize that sometimes we've got to go through hard times hard situations, that we have difficult people in our life, but maybe, just maybe, God is doing something in our midst, that God is doing something in that relationship, through that situation that will draw us closer to him and maybe change our lives. And so if you don't hear me say anything else today, please hear me when I say this. Refuse to abandon the truth that God is at work in your life. Wherever you are, wherever you are watching from right now, I want you to hear this. God is at work in your life. And do not listen to the lies that because of what's going on or the challenge or the heart or if things aren't going the way you want, that God has abandoned you because that is not the truth. There is a God of this universe that loves you. That's why he sent Jesus to this earth so that we can be transformed to look and act and be more like him and that his Holy Spirit is with us every step of the way. So do not abandon this. Do not, do not ignore this truth. God is with you and he will never forsake you. And maybe, just maybe, he is doing something in your life, trying to teach you something, trying to help you grow, challenge you in your personal life right here and right now and asking you, let's take some steps. Let's continue to grow. Let's figure this out together. Now, that's a big challenge, and I know that's not easy to really wrap wrap our minds around patience and endurance, especially with everything we've got going on. But I love in the next section of this chapter how James gives us the next step that we can take to help us, empower us, and equip us to really live up to this challenge. And starting at verse 13, this is when the chapter gets really, really good. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So I want to give you just three practical steps that we can do to live out this passage of scripture today. And most of this will probably be pretty routine, maybe stuff that you already do. But I encourage you that I think there is at least one of these areas that I'm going to mention, one of these three that you can take a step in, that you can ask God to help you grow in, that you can be challenged today to truly live out. Number one, I encourage you, Pray for yourself. In all circumstances, in all situations, we need to be a people of prayer. That we as a church, Abundant Life Church, one of the biggest desires we have is for us to be a church that believes in prayer. We believe without a shadow of a doubt that when we pray, our relationship with God gets deeper and deeper, stronger and stronger. And I also believe that when I pray for individual people that I know, people in my life, my family, my friends, my church family, there is something that God is doing in the relationship that I have with you. He is strengthening it and he's doing something that I can't even understand, but he is connecting us in a beautiful way when we pray for each other. 
Just a couple uh, days ago, we had a prayer and worship night at the Happy Valley campus. Why? Because we believe that even in the midst of everything we got going on in this world, that we need to take time, create space for us to be able to praise God for who he is, to be reminded that there is a God that loves us and to spend intentional time in prayer for what's going on in the world, what's going on in our families, what's going on in our personal life as we struggle through the suffering and the pain and the hurt. My challenge to you today is this, create space in your everyday life to connect with Jesus. And I, I don't want you to make it harder on yourself than it needs to be. Be strategic about it. Look, up, look at your week, look at your day. See if you can find pockets of time, opportunities that are already there that you can kind of allow to just be your time connecting, allow your time to be praying with God. For those of you that don't know, I live in Camby. Uh, it's this wonderful little outpost uh, south of here. You got to go through some dirt roads uh, up through the mountains and, and through the woods. And eventually you find yourself there. It's a quaint little town. It really is wonderful. It is 19.8 miles from Camby to Happy Valley to the church, right? Roughly about 30 minutes as the crow flies. Now add about 10 to 15 minutes on top of that if there's traffic, which there usually is. And then add another 10 to 15 minutes on top of that because I'm a pretty slow driver. So any given day as I'm driving from my home to the church, I have about an hour, 30 minutes to an hour that I can spend, put my time and energy into listening to music, which I love to do, listening to podcasts or sports radio, which I love to do, or maybe I take advantage of that opportunity that's been created in my week right then and there and spend time with God and pray for what's going on. Pray about the struggles I'm having. Pray about the weaknesses that I feel. Pray about the inadequacy that I sometimes have about being a pastor, being a leader, that I can pray for my family. I can pray for other people, but I can ask God, I need you. Help me. It's right there every single day when I get in my car, if I would just take advantage of the opportunity. And so wherever you are in your spiritual walk, I would encourage you, find time, be strategic, create space, for you to pray for yourself. No better opportunity to wrestle with God, wrestle with these tough questions than in an opportunity just to dedicate intentional prayer to him. Number two, ask others to pray for you. Do you have a group of people in your life? Two to three, four, however many, but, but you know that if you're going through a crazy situation, if you're in a situation where you don't know what to do, if you're scared and confused, that you can send them a text, you can give them a phone call, you can send out an email, and you know for a fact that they will pray for you. See, sometimes asking for prayer is hard for us. We don't want to show that we're having a weakness. We don't want people to really know what's going on in our life. And so sometimes we don't even allow other people in our life, even the closest people that we know to really know what is going on. But I love how the scripture says, call upon the elders of the church, have them anoint you with oil, pray in the name of the Lord. Why? Because James is trying to get out ask people to pray with you. And it talks about pray for each other. Allow that to be a normal, natural rhythm of your life. Um, I've mentioned this before, uh, and, and many of you might know this, but uh, this last fall was probably the hardest season I can remember in a long time. It was kind of a culmination of this entire year. 
Uh, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but all I can say was with everything obviously that shut down because of COVID, when all the change and the transition that happened here with the leadership at ALC, uh, with the fires that really messed me up, a car accident that I got in, and just feeling emotionally exhausted, I got to a point around October, November, that I just didn't feel like myself. And I got really scared. And even my wife looked at me and she said, I'm, I'm worried. You don't seem happy. You don't seem normal. And I looked at her and I said, I don't feel happy. I don't feel normal. I don't know what's going on right now. All I know is that I'm scared. All I know is that I'm uncomfortable. And I just feel a darkness that's kind of surrounding me. And one of the things that I've realized looking back on this last year is just how thankful I am that God placed certain people in my life, especially as I walk through that difficult season. And there's a lot of different people that I can mention, but one particular group that I believe was a godsend for me, especially as I was walking through that darkness, was my life group. Here's a picture of of my life group uh, as we are meeting uh, over Zoom. I thank God every single day for this group of people. I cannot tell you enough how much this group has cared for me, cared for my family, loved on us, encouraged me. And as I was walking through that darkness, as I was walking through this difficult time, again, if I had to put words on it, I would say that I was experiencing a season of depression. And so one night and life group over Zoom, I just shared with the group what was going on. I let them let them have it. I just gave it all as much as I could and was as completely open and honest with them as possible. And what this group did for me in that moment, again, via Zoom, was one of the most amazing moments of my life when they responded to me with love, with encouragement. They reminded me that, Aaron, it's going to be okay. And then they spent intentional time praying over me. And again, as weird as it sounds, there's not a lot of people that pray for me on a given day or a given week, as weird as that sounds. And these people, this incredible family of mine, stopped what they were doing in the midst of our life group. And they said, we need to pray for you. And I believe that that prayer that they made for me that night began a healing work that has continually been transforming me, helping remind me of the truth that God is with me and that these people, this amazing group is walking with me and that I am not alone. An earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And I am so grateful that I have gotten to be a wonderful recipient of people genuinely praying for me and showing me love. So if you don't have a group of people, two to three to four, that you can trust, that if you send them a message today, that they'll pray for you, I would encourage you, find that group. Reach out to the church. Let the prayer ministries here that we have, let us know how we can be praying for you so that you don't walk through the darkness alone. Number three, pray for each other. Again, this seems so ordinary, but I think this is probably one of the hardest ones that we do. Have you guys ever seen the movie, The Greatest Showman? 
Ironically enough, I've actually never seen it, okay? But my children saw it, and then they fell in love with the music, and then we bought the CD, and then we listened to it a million times. And so I know every song, I've memorized it, just by never actually seeing the movie, but just by listening to the music over and over again. My favorite song from that movie is the last song that they sing right at the end called From Now On. And there's a line in that song that just has always echoed in my head because I love the way it sounds, and it says this. What's waited till tomorrow starts tonight. The idea that this main character in the movie would always put things off or he's like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to fix this or I'm going to change this, but it was always something that waited until tomorrow, but instead at the end he makes a decision. That which was waited till tomorrow is going to start tonight. I believe this is the attitude we need to have in regards to prayer. One of the greatest lessons that I ever learned about prayer was from one of my favorite pastors I've ever met, Pastor Mike Vermes, who used to be on staff here at ALC. And in a conversation, he was telling me that when you're talking to people, when you're interacting with people and they begin to share with you what's going on in their life, the hard and the challenge, don't say, well, I'll pray for you about that. Instead, ask if you can pray for them right then and right now. Now, again, I think we've all been there, right? We've all had the best of intentions. When people in our life are going through something scary, we say those words that we generally mean, that we honestly feel, oh, I will pray for you. And then what ends up happening? We forget. And then three weeks later, we remember, oh, yeah, I was supposed to be praying for so-and-so. I wonder how they're doing. Take advantage of the opportunities that God is opening, the people that God has placed in your life. And when they begin to share the hard, the dark, the scary, the, the, the overwhelming moments of your life, do not be afraid to ask them in that moment, can I pray for you right now so I don't forget? And again, it's nothing you need to be aggressive by. You need to be understanding. Some people might not want prayer in that moment, and that's totally awesome, but open the door nonetheless. I would challenge you, for those of you especially who do not find yourself very comfortable with prayer, let alone praying out loud in front of other people, maybe this is an area that God can challenge you in, that God can say, let's take some steps. Because who knows what may happen if you, in a moment of pure, just honesty with somebody else, when they are allowing you into their world, who knows how the Holy Spirit can work in that moment if you took the courage to pray for them. You know, as we close today, um, I've asked the worship team uh, to lead us in one more worship song. But before we get to that, I want to just remind us of one of the core themes, one of the core truths that we see all throughout the book of James. And it comes from James chapter 2, verse 13, uh, a scripture that many of you probably know by heart. And it says this in the NIV, mercy triumphs over judgment. You see, the book of James, the purpose of James is to awaken the church to understand two unavoidable truths. The first is that Jesus has entered this world. Jesus is here and he unabashedly wants to surround those that are lost, those that are hurt, those that are in pain and suffering. He wants to surround us with his unconditional love, his grace, and his mercy. And it is through that love that our 
past, our lives, who we are, are embraced and loved. And God finds us exactly where we are. It is his grace that he displayed as he sacrificed his life on the cross that our sins were forgiven. And it is this mercy, this mercy that triumphs over the judgment that we all deserved has rewritten our purpose, has rewritten the core of our life. And the second unavoidable truth for those that can accept that is that we are now called to respond to that truth. We are now called to respond to who Jesus is as we allow who he is to be reflected in our life to the world around us. My favorite line in this song, in this amazing worship song is this, yes, I will wake and spend my days loving the one who has raised me up from death to life, from wrong to right. You are making all things beautiful. Church, let this be our prayer. Let this be our rallying cry that because we have accepted the truth of who God is and who Jesus is, we will spend our days waking up and loving the one who has raised us up and allowing his word to encourage us so that we will truly go from death to life, from wrong to right, that we will be people who look at the trials and the suffering and we will consider it joy because we know that God is working through it, that God is using these hard things to make us stronger, to teach us things, to teach us lessons, that we will not just be you know, hearers of the word, but that we'll be doers of the word, that we will avoid the pitfalls of favoritism, pride, anger, that we will not allow the words that we speak to be divisive, to be toxic, to be hurtful, but instead we will be called to be heralds of peace, that we will use our words to point people to Jesus as we allow God through his Holy Spirit to turn us into people of patience, people of endurance, a people of prayer. So wherever you are on your faith journey, and I want to be super respectful for those that are wrestling with God, wrestling with what's going on in the world, or maybe you just wrestle with the establishment of church. Wherever you are on your faith journey, I want to invite you just to either listen, sing, or respond to this song. And I would invite you, for those that are wondering, those that are questioning, I invite you to experience the God that loves you. The God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to show us his unconditional love, his grace, and the mercy that triumphs over judgment, that triumphs over the weakness and the hurt and the pain and all of the difficulties that our life is, that he has redefined and breathed life into us. This is the God that loves us, and this is the God that we come to know through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would ask you to consider accepting him as your personal savior and Lord. I invite you to consider this love that can transform and change your life. And for those that have already accepted that, I would ask you to take the challenge of asking God the tough questions, allowing his word to get into your business, challenge you where you are today, and for you to then ask the question, God, how can I grow? How can I learn? How can I reflect who you are in the world around me to those that have not experienced who you are. God, help me look more like your son, Jesus, today. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. And Lord, I want my prayer 
to be simple. Lord, we just, we just thank you so much for the love that you showed us through your son, Jesus Christ. We love, Lord, that you sent us grace, that you sent us mercy. Lord, that all of our weaknesses and all of our struggles and all of our sin through your sacrifice was forgiven, that we were restored and that we were invited into a relationship with you. And so, Lord, let us take the challenge. Let us take on the responsibility of responding to that truth so that every day we may wake up and love the one that has raised us up, Lord. Continually take us from death into life, from wrong into right. Lord, let us show this world who you are every single day, Lord. Continue to get into our business. Continue to challenge us where we are, Lord, and let us reflect to this world who you are. I thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you for this day. And I thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Give us the courage to respond and give us the courage to live and look like Jesus today. In your name we pray. Amen.